You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. So this morning, hearing God's voice is the topic that we're venturing into. And I got to say, hearing God's voice is one of my top five top, uh, favorite topics to discuss and to learn about. Because here's the reality. When we talk about hearing God's voice, it comes with a presumption that you can hear God's voice. And to some, that might sound odd. To some, that might be like, whoa, whoa, Pastor Donnie, you hear voices in your head? Hear me out. And I understand that there's this kind of, there's this, there's this perception of, of, of God doesn't speak. That sounds crazy. You know what sounds even crazier to me is showing up to a building every Sunday, worshiping a God and never hearing from him. That sounds insane to me. That sounds religious. That sounds like I'm going through the motions trying to make everything look okay on the outside, but I don't believe in a true relationship with God. That sounds crazy to me. To worship a lowercase g, God, who doesn't speak, who isn't relational, and yet you show up and you dedicate finances to him, and you dedicate time to him, and you dedicate attention and passion and all of these things, and yet you never get to hear God's voice, that sounds insane to me. On the flip side, I'm crazy enough to believe that the God who was, is, and is yet to come still speaks. I'm crazy enough to believe that God speaks to his church. And one of my favorite examples of this is Elijah out on the mountain. You've heard me say it before and you'll hear me say it a thousand times more. Where Elijah is looking and listening for the voice of God. And throughout scripture, we see these incredible things happen. A fire passes across the the mountain, a windstorm an earthquake, all of these crazy things happen in front of Elijah. And Elijah is, is listening and trying to hear the voice of God. And, and the scripture is kind of redundant. It says, but God wasn't in the wind. But God wasn't in the earthquake. But God, and it goes to this list. And then there's this beautiful portion of, of the verse where it says, and yet in this still quietness, Elijah heard God's voice. And let me tell you why that's beautiful. Because the Hebrew word that describes quietness to us is interpreted as a non-audible voice. Well, pastor, how do you hear a non-audible voice? Let me tell you. This will forever be one of my favorite examples. Have you ever been standing in line at the store or the gas station or maybe among a family member and you feel like somebody's looking at you? Nobody said, hey, they're staring at you. But you just kind of felt with all that you were that somebody was looking at you. And sure enough, you tear, you know, stare over your shoulder and there's somebody at the other gas pump who's like, Nobody ever audibly said, hey, creepy. (laughs) But you just knew that you knew. A lot of times that's how God speaks to us. 
It's not an audible voice, but it's a conviction that's placed in our heart. I must do something or I must stop something. You fill in the blank. There might be other times where you just feel like, I just, you know, walk up to somebody and you just kind of be like, hey, I, I just feel, I just feel something in me that I, I just need to ask you, how are you doing? God speaks to us in these simple ways where you just kind of know that you know. Is this making sense this morning? And I believe that, that a lot of times we talk ourselves out of hearing the voice of God. Oh, that's just my conscience. Oh, that's just, I ate some bad pizza last night. When in reality, I would flip that around and I would challenge you, church, to lean into that. Because as much as I believe that God designed the conscience, and a lot of times that's the way that He speaks to us, and we get all scientific and say that's just our random chemical reactions and crazy things happening that we just somehow have conviction in our life, that blows my mind. I would say lean into that voice. That's the voice of God speaking to your heart. This morning, we're going to be turning to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. One of the reasons why we're addressing this topic, the, the, the voice of God, is because how many of you know that right now in our world, there's a lot of voices talking? There's a lot of perspectives being brought to the table. There's a lot of, of, of things being said on, in regards to what is right, what is wrong, how you should live, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, how you should raise your family. Families aren't important. Families are important. And there's these arguments that are constantly going back and forth. And there's just so many voices being, bringing uh, perspectives to the table, even in regards to COVID. I mean, it's almost comical that whenever I go to look up an article, Article, just trying to find a fact about COVID, I can't find anything. I hear one perspective that says, if you wear a mask, you're going to die. And then I hear this other perspective five minutes later, if you don't wear a mask, you're going to die. And there's these perspectives that are constantly going back and forth. And here's, here's the crazy thing about this is everybody who talks is all of a sudden an expert. And it's not just limited to COVID, it's everything, it's education, it's politics, it's economy, and, and the list goes on and on and on. There's so many voices that speak in their friend, make no mistake, that they are all trying to get something. They are all trying to get your attention and your passion. And in the midst of a world that is constantly fighting for your attention and your passion, can I bring us back around that the only voice that matters, the main voice that matters is God's voice in your life. And I want to talk to you today about an incredible interaction. We're going to be reading a decent amount of scripture today, Exodus chapter 3. And it's where God encounters... Moses. Moses encounters God at the burning bush, and God speaks to Moses. And I want to talk to you today about this incredible interaction. And make no mistake, as we read this scripture, friend, I really want us to read it with, with the, this kind of perception, this kind of attitude, that God still speaks. And you know what God is looking for? Your attention, your passion, and your heart. 
If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of the Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Herob, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was uh, the bush's fire, it, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses did hide his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land into a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Mosquito Bites. I just wanted to make sure you were still paying attention. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it that it is who I have sent to you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you. I have seen what is done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites. Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and to say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a relationship-driven God. Lord, that you would lay your son's life down, that, that Jesus would lay his life down for, for me. And yet, while we were still sinners, you looked at us and said, you're worth dying for. God, thank you so much that you are relational. 
so relational, in fact, that here we are thousands of years later and you are still speaking. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice. I pray that any weight that is in this room from everything that's going on in our culture, Lord, would just be put to rest because you're also the God of peace. Now help us to tune into your voice and not just hear your voice, but listen to your voice. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? And everybody shouted? My first point with you this morning is this. If we want to hear from God, we must first recognize his sovereignty. If we want to hear from God, if you are interested in hearing God's voice in your life, you must recognize his sovereignty first. Often cultures neglect the authority and sovereignty of God. I don't know if you've noticed this, but our culture is in the habit of that. Our culture does not like authority. And it, it just kind of cracks me up how, how countercultural these scripture verses are. If you notice, the way that God says things, there's no debating. I will be your God. I will lead you. I will provide for you. I am with you. There's no, I might be with you. It depends on the day. It depends on how I'm feeling. There's no room for debate. And our culture struggles with this. Our culture struggles with absolutes. And yet here we are, and God is absolute. Why? Because he's sovereign. Another habit that we're in, that we have made a habit is that before we listen to somebody's voice and apply it to our lives, they have to earn the right to speak to our lives first. And in many ways, this is wise. And I would rather it be that because there's another side of our culture that listens to any voice. You know, like whenever we, we, we learn in English class, in grade school, to check your sources, whatever happened to that? And so half our culture says, no, 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 you need a right to speak into my life. And the other half of our culture says, eh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Whatever sounds the best. But in this specific area of our culture where we constantly make somebody prove themselves worthy in order to speak into our lives, can I just say that this rule of thumb does not apply to when God speaks? We often ask the question, who do you think you are? We often say statements that challenge the person who's speaking, but make no mistake that those statements are not applicable to a sovereign God. And sometimes we can get so confused with challenging every voice in our culture that we make the mistake of challenging God's voice. And friend, if your only goal is to hear from God so that you can evaluate if you want to do it or not, I don't believe that God honors that. When our only goal is to read his word so that we can put God on a judgment seat and judge him. I don't believe that God honors that. He's sovereign. And he reveals his sovereignty and his authority to Moses in this interaction. And might I just remind us that the Pharisees used God's word to test Jesus. When we begin to take his word so that we can evaluate if we agree with him or not, 
I believe that builds a wall. Because honestly, how far can you and I get in a relationship if the only reason why we talk to somebody is to sit there and put them on a throne of judgment seat? You see what I'm saying this morning? And in this interaction, God reveals his sovereignty. As Moses approaches the burning bush, we see God establish that he is sovereign, that he is a supreme ruler, that he is the authentic one and only God. In this interaction, he says, I'm the God who sees. I'm the God who hears. And then he takes it a step further and he says, I'm the God that will. I will deliver my people. I will use you. And I don't know about you, but there's a sense of comfort that I gain when I realize that hell can't even stop him. I gain a sense of comfort when God is so matter of fact in a life where nothing seems to be factual right now. I am so relieved that his word is. He says, I've seen my people. I've heard my people. I am sending you. I am with you. I will deliver you. You will worship me. God is speaking in absolutes. Why is he so confident in what he says? Because he's God. And if you and I are going to hear the voice of God, we must recognize the sovereignty so that we will be more inept to listen to his voice. These statements tell us that he is all-knowing, that he is above us. But then he says, I will make a way, you will worship me, I am with you. And in saying this, he reveals that he is also God with us. In this moment, God establishes that he is imminent, that he is among us, and he also reveals that he is transcendent, that he is above us. And make no mistake, friends, these two characteristics that you see, imminent and transcendent, are unique to Christianity. I don't know of any other religion out there that combines both of these elements to describe God. Many of them believe that he is transcendent that he is above us, but you have to go through a life of turmoil and pain and hopefully prove yourself to be among him, to be with him. And in this moment, God says, no, 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 no. I am not only above you. I'm not only before you. I'm not only the heaven's creator. I'm not only the God of your fathers. I am not only uh, not bound by time, but he says, I am also with you. I have seen you. I have heard you. I will deliver you. I am with you. How comforting. Come on, somebody. How comforting to know that Emmanuel, God with us. Man, how much would our approach in life change if we held to that reality that he is with us, going before us, all around us? What would our approach to confrontation be like? What would our approach even walking into the workplace be like? God establishes that he is imminent among us and that he is transcendent. This means that God defines God, not man. 
What God says is the standard of truth. That's what he is saying in this moment. It's not dependent on whether we agree with it or not. It's not dependent on our feelings behind it. But God says this is truth. There's no argument left. In verse 14, Moses asks about the name of God, and God responds by saying, I am who I am. This teaches us that God is dependable, that he is sufficient, and that he is above government. He is above every nation. He always has been, always will be, and we dip back into that transcendent aspect of a relationship-driven God. I want to say this this morning. God is not a concept, He is a reality. And the reason why I say that is because I hear so much language in the world around us, in the Christian community and outside of the Christian community, where we debate God as if He's a concept. You see, concepts are often theories. Concepts, they can be argued for or against. Concepts can kind of be treated as if, hey, I didn't like what I said yesterday, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this concept. It's a drawing. It's kind of a, a mock-up. It's not set in stone. It's something that can be changed. But when something is a reality, you can't change it. It is what it is. God is not a concept. God is a reality. I am who I am states that. He's the God that isn't held down by time. Man, if you think about that for more than two minutes, you'll get a migraine. Come on, somebody. When you think about the reality of eternity and God operating outside of time, some of the most interesting theological debates that I've heard are revolved around this principle. That God is outside of time. I am who I am states that. God is not a concept. He is a reality. You and I don't get the opportunity to define God. He has defined himself. And friends, here's my point in saying all of this. Here's my point in discussing His sovereignty and His authority. The promises of God can be held as true because the I Am has spoken them to be so. The promises of God are reliable because He spoke them. When you and I open His Word and we look at the confidence of God, well, why does God have so much confidence because he's the I am. He defines everything. And what he says is the measure of truth. My goal in in discussing this with us this morning, church, is because to find truth in today's day and age is so comforting. In the midst of all of the political manipulation from left and right in a day and age where there's just so much being said is factual and then it takes one quick Google search and you're not sure what to believe. In a day and age where everything is stated as factual 
And then you put your hope in that thing. At least people are putting hope in something that was said as truth. And then you come to find out that it is not truth. I heard on a secular news network just yesterday, I couldn't believe that the the news host said this. They said to a, a pastor that they were interviewing, and it just shows where we are. She said, I recently saw that Bible sales are almost at an all-time high. Secular news network. She went on to say that, Pastor, would you agree that this time has shaken what people are putting their faith in? And the pastor that they were interviewing said, yep. We have a world that is searching for consistency. Eight years as a full-time youth pastor, I've seen the damage of inconsistency. I've seen the damage of inconsistent homes and that they raise kids who are desperate for truth. I've seen the effects of living by a world's standard, which is constantly changing. How many of you know that? When you base truth off of feelings going to change within a couple minutes. I'm so comforted though that the I am has spoken. And what God speaks in his word, I can hold on to. What God says gives me hope and not an empty hope of wishful thinking and I hope it works out and it might work out, but I can look at the way that he speaks and said, my God is going to come through. Why? Because he always has. He's dependable. If you're putting your faith this morning in politics, God help you. Can I tell you that my faith isn't revolved around the president's seat? My faith isn't revolved around a political party. My faith is revolved around Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, no matter what happens in politics, I am. It's one of the ways that Jesus revealed that he was God to people. When they asked who he was, he said, I am. I'm so thankful for consistency that I have in my God. When we recognize God's authority and sovereignty, we will handle His Word responsibly. When we recognize God's authority and sovereignty, we will therefore handle His Word responsibly. We will be more inept to yield to His Word. We will be more inept to live by His Word. That's why it's important to recognize the sovereignty of God. And friend, we live in a day and age, and we're going to be wrapping up here shortly. We live in a day and age where, my goodness, we have so distorted the definition of truth. And I'm so thankful that when I recognize who's above it all, It can't help, I can't help but yield my heart to what is true, and that's God. And it's this beautiful 
ongoing relationship where the more that you recognize how wonderful and how awesome He is, the more you open your heart to Him. When we recognize God's authority and sovereignty, we will handle His Word responsibly. This is incredibly beautiful. The God who sees you, the God who hears you, the God who is with you, is leading you and speaking to you. Worship team, would you come? Where the glory and presence of God dwells is where His voice is often found. Where the glory and the presence of God dwells is often where His voice is found. So, Pastor, where is God's presence found? His presence is found in His Word. When you and I begin to open up the Word of God, we're opening ourselves up to His presence. What do you mean by the presence of God? I mean He is God with us, so He is here and now. And all I have to do is remind my heart and soul that He is here, and there He is. It's not that He went away, it's that I'm making myself aware of His presence. His presence is often found in His Word, through His Holy Spirit. His presence is often found in prayer. The presence of God is often found in worship. That's why we open up our Sunday morning services and worship because it's a time where we are making ourselves aware. We're saying, God, I know you're here and I worship you. And therefore, we're opening up our hearts and allowing those walls that we've built up over the week come crashing down. But I would argue that each one of these elements of where we find God's presence, because where his presence is, is where we hear him. I would argue that in the midst of each and every one of these elements that there's a common denominator. That His presence is found in a heart of surrender. His presence is found in a heart of surrender. A heart that says, I want to get to know you more. A heart that says, I want to hear your voice above everything else. A heart that says, I recognize that you are all-knowing and I am not. A heart that says, God, you define what's around me, not me. A heart that says, God, you define what goodness is and what evil is. A heart that says, God, as Moses said, here I am. Exodus chapter 3, verse 4 through 5, Moses encounters God. He hears God because God is present. And then he states in response to God calling out to him, Here am I. Biblical scholars would argue that this was a point of surrender. When Moses said, Here I am, that was a statement saying, Ready for this? Here I am. My heart is open. My mind is open. God, I'm available. In that statement, here I am, there's a heart of surrender that we can recognize. There's a recognition of this supernatural happening where this, this bush is on fire, but it is not being consumed. 
and out of response for the sovereign authority of God, Moses says, here I am. And as we read this, friend, we can learn so much. I could preach on Exodus chapter 3 for a couple months. There is so much truth wrapped up in this chapter. And it relates to the New Testament church in ways that would blow your mind, which I look forward to discussing next week. Here I am. It's a point of surrender in Moses' heart. It's a point that says, I'm listening. Notice that Moses, his response, his response to hear God was to listen. I know this isn't crazy theology that's, that's causing us to be minds blown. Pastor, I, I know he, he listened. I, I get it. But friend, we're so consumed with talking. We're so consumed for, I'm going to let my voice be heard. I told them, Pastor. We're so consumed with, even in our prayer life, you know, we, we have this perception that we have to do a majority of the talking. Can I tell you that some of the most impactful prayer moments that I've ever experienced in my life is when I kept my mouth shut. And I say that because I don't know if you've noticed this about me, but I like to talk. Come on, act surprised. Three of you, thank you. The most powerful moments in my prayer life that I've ever experienced is when I responded to an altar call and I said, here I am, and then I stayed quiet. And I just listened. And as we talked about at the beginning of the service, I kind of listened like Elijah. I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't hear, Donnie, go to Fogelsville. There was just a passion that stirred up to me that I did not create. There was just this conviction of, I've I've got to do something or I've got to stop something. And you know how that applies to your life. You know the things in your life that you've kind of maybe have put on a priority standard and God says, no, we're going to bring that down and we're going to bring me up. You know what that looks like. And because you know what that looks like, I would argue that that is the voice of the Holy Spirit. God's voice is often heard with a heart of surrender. And friend, as we close this morning, I want to remind us that this is why we have altar calls. Because the altar represents a place of surrender. A place of sacrifice. And you'll notice that over the past couple weeks, we've just kind of opened up the altar and if you feel led, you feel led. If you, if you don't, however the Lord leads you. But just like if I don't explain baptizing, it just looks like we're dunking people for fun. There's some things in church that I want to make sure we're in the habit of explaining. I don't ever want to just assume that everybody knows. 
that's called a click. But I want to make sure that we're always understanding how beautiful this space up here is. Well, why is it at the front, Pastor? It goes back to the tabernacle. You could argue, even though some may see it as the back of the tabernacle, I would argue that it was at the front. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because you had to go up and in anyways. It represents a place of sacrifice. The altar since the beginning of the, of the Old Testament has always represented a place where we lay our lives down and say, God, here am I. And so, friend, I ask you as we close this morning, how's your heart of surrender? Honestly, how's your heart of surrender? Have you been like walking through life just kind of like, I'm confident in these areas. God, I got this. Or have we come to the place where we say, God, I need to surrender myself over to you in every area. Can I tell you from personal experience, as a father of a fiery little redhead, I need God's help as a parent. Whether she has red hair or not, I need God's help. I need God's help in being the father that he's called me to be. I need his help in being the husband that I'm called to be. I need God's help in being an example to the world around us. Oh, Lord knows that. I need God's help in every area of my life. And friends, if we want to hear his voice and his guidance in any area, whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, you know that area that needs worked on. Can I encourage you this morning? We've got to have a heart of surrender. If we want to be a more effective church, we've got to have a heart of surrender. If we want to be more effective Christians, we've got to have, if we want to be better fathers, mothers, if we want to be better spouses, if we want to be better friends, if we want to be, maybe you're in the dating arena, better girlfriend, but whatever it may be, we've got to start with a heart of surrender. And can I tell you this morning as we close, can I just remind us of this? Your life will drastically change when we apply this method of a heart of surrender to every single area that involves Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. What would happen if we opened up the word of God with a heart of surrender? What would happen if we opened up our prayer time with a heart of surrender? What would happen if we opened up our worship time, heart of surrender? You get what I'm saying. If you're here this morning, been walking through life saying, I got this. Can I tell you, no, you don't. And having a heart that says, I don't need to come to that place, Pastor Diane, I don't need to come to that place where I need to rely on God. Can I tell you that you're setting yourself up, friend, for a train wreck. And thank God that even whenever we wreck ourselves, He's still there. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? I want you to just take a moment in time and ask yourself the question in the midst of all of our crazy schedules 
work schedules, family schedules, friend schedules, whatever it may be, in the midst of all of our crazy Americanized schedules that constantly get busier and busier and busier and busier, have you taken a moment out of your schedule to stop, hit the pause button, and come into his presence saying, Lord, here am I. Without anybody looking around, I want to ask you this morning. I want to ask you this morning, do you remember a time when you first gave your heart to Jesus? When you hit the pause button and you recognize what the Word of God says that you and I cannot achieve heaven by ourselves. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. Do you remember a moment in your life where in the church community we refer to it as a moment of salvation? It's that moment where you, kind of like Moses said, here am I, Lord. I, I, I don't know where I would go today. If I were to die today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. Do you remember a moment in time where you gave your heart over to Christ so you can stand here in confidence and say, I know that I know that I know that I know that my eternity is with Jesus in heaven. Without anybody looking around, I want to extend an invitation to you this morning. The Bible says for us to come into relationship with Jesus Christ that all we have to do is simply say, Lord, here am I. Cleanse me, use me, be Lord of my life. And just like that, we receive salvation in Jesus Christ. Without anybody looking around, I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you, but I am going to extend this invitation to the room. If that's you this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor, I want to begin my relationship with Jesus Christ today. I don't know what it's like to hear the voice of God, but that's something that I want to do. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? right here, right now in this moment. I see your hand. Once you put it up, you can put it right back down. I see your hand. Is there anybody else just waiting another moment? Is there anyone else here today where you say, you know what, Pastor, I want that confidence that you talk about where the Bible says that salvation comes to man. All you have to do is say, God, be Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe in you. Would you be Lord of my life? Is there anybody else just waiting another couple seconds? You can put your hand back down. I see your hand. I saw that hand. Yep. Is there anybody else waiting just another moment? You're not alone. We're not going to call you out or embarrass you. I promise you that. Waiting another couple seconds. Is there anyone else this morning? You say, I don't have that confidence, but I want it. Here's what I'm going to ask. Church, would you stand up? Can we just stand up across this place? Still with every head bowed, every eye closed. And I'm going to ask for all of our church to join me in this prayer because I don't want those who are doing this for the first time to feel alone. We're a family, amen? No man left behind, amen? So without anybody looking around, I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And please understand that it's not my words that mean anything, but it is all about your heart. And if you truly mean in your heart that, you're, that you want to turn from sin and that you want to turn towards Jesus, that's what matters, not my words. So without anybody looking around, would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, come on church with authority. Dear Jesus, forgive me. Wash me clean. Lead me. I want you to be Lord of my life. Cleanse me. Mold me. 
shape me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give a round of applause for those who received Christ for the first time? And now for those of you who, you prior to this, you've invited Jesus to come into your heart. Can we get in the habit of being an altar-driven church? Is that okay with you today? Come on, church. Is that okay with you today? So in just a couple moments, I'm going to ask that we kill some of these lights that are on. Mike's going to lead us in good song. He's going to lead us in this worship song that says, basically, here I am. Holy Spirit, move in this place. And I want to encourage us today. I'm going to ask some of our prayer team members to come up. We have prayer team members available. If there's anything that we can join in prayer over you, we, be, we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. Amen? But I simply want to open up the altars today for the purpose of us coming to a place, church, where we will look back on this day with confidence knowing that we came to a place of surrender. That as we come forward, I want to encourage you to recognize that this up here today represents a point of surrender. It represents a point where just like Moses, before you hear the voice of God, you've got to be willing to hear it, right? Before you hear the voice of God, you've got to be willing to listen. So that's what today's about. Coming to a point where we say, Jesus, here I am. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.